James 1 verse 16 and 17, we began this last Sunday on Father's Day. We thought we'd have been done last Sunday, but obviously we, I'm almost afraid we're not going to be done today. I really am because there's so much, as I keep going back in the review, so much I keep, man, amen. You ever been chewing something, eating something, and you just like went really slow? Because it's like, oh man, I don't want this to be over. Are you there in James 1, 16 and 17? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We're talking today about Father God, part three, Father God. Lord, thank you today for giving us the word of God. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your grace. I pray that, Father, you bless me and, and speak to me and speak through me today. Let your people have hearing ears, seeing eyes, receiving hearts, so that the word of God can deep, get deep down to the soil of our hearts and produce what you sent it to produce. Today, have your way in this place. Be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. amen. And amen. Praise God. All right, I want to read that same verse, those same verses from the easy to read version very quickly, please. James 1, 16, 17, in the easy to read version, says, my dear brothers and sisters, don't be fooled by this, about this. Everything good comes from God. Y'all got it? Everything good comes from God. Every perfect gift is from him. These gifts come down from the Father who made all the lights in the sky, but God never changes like the shadows from those lights. He is always the same. Okay, so that's our foundation here, that everything good comes from God. God is a good God. Now, I know those of you who've been with us for a while, this might feel sort of basic and elementary to you, but uh, somebody watching online, somebody sitting here who may be new, or perhaps you really deep down need to be reminded or to know that God is a good God. All right? So let's go back here in, at the beginning of the book of James. James chapter 1 and at the beginning and verse 2. When Paul says here, I'm sorry, rather James, sorry. This is James talking. James says, my brethren, count it all what? Joy. Joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. patience. Produces patience. All right. So he says, again, you fall into various trials. Notice you fall into various trials. All right. I'm just, my sound just changed. I'm just trying to make, make sure we're all right. So you fall into various trials. Remember I brought that up to you the other night. People think God calls them into trials, but you fall into various trials. As King James says, divers temptations. So you fall into it. Now that fall, we know what fall means, at least we think we do. So I looked that word up just to make sure we're on the right track. That word fall from the Greek is the word uh, peripipto. Peripipto, which means to fall into as to be encompassed. So do you fall into something? You know how people say they fell in love? You fell in love, then some people say they fell out of love. I don't know how you fall out of love. I, I can understand falling into love, but I don't know how you fall in, fall out of love. Because it's, it's something that happens on you. Okay? In fact, this same word, peripipto, we find it, in fact, it's only used two, three times in all of Scripture, but it's also found in Luke 10. I want to show you this here. In Luke 10, verse uh, 25, let's start there. Luke 10. Hallelujah. Because I want to show you about these trials here. Because the church has been erroneously led about trials. To the point where the church is accepting trials as normal and something that it's, it's meant for us to go through so we can be something. That God does these things to us to try to make us somebody. But let's look at this word peripipto. Luke 10 and verse 25. Are you there? Yes, sir. 
This is a parable of the Good Samaritan. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit what? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? In other words, how do you understand the law? This guy was pretty good here. He said, he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. In other words, this guy sums up 600 and something laws into this one thing. And Jesus was like, wow, you're, you're pretty good. Because in verse 28, he said, you've answered rightly. He said, do this and you will live. Y'all see that? But he, this is this man wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Because he said, I love my neighbor, right? Verse 30, here's a parable we remember. Then Jesus answered and said to him, said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to, Jer to Jericho and parapipto, he fell among thieves. Now remember, we fall into various trials. So we're going to see a parallel here of what a trial looks like. Parapipto. He said, he fell among thieves. Now, who's a thief? The devil is a thief. The thief we're talking about, right? So thieves will be all his demons. The whole satanic kingdom. So this is what happens to you in your life. So this man who's minding his own business, he's just simply traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He's going down. A preacher's a preacher. He's going down because something was wrong. No, no, down. That's the path. You look at a map. Jericho was below Jerusalem. It just meant he was going down like you go down to Fort Myers. Okay? Huh? Yeah, you, we go up to Fort Myers? Oh, I was going to say, I th okay, I, th I, th I thought you were straightening me out. I was like, oh, okay. What map you read? Okay, so, fell. <laughs> fell among thieves. So he went, he's go, he goes down, and it says he fell among, parapipto, among thieves. Now watch what the thieves did, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now people say trials come to make you strong. But when you fall into trials like this man fell among thieves the trial here's what the trials from the devil come to do they come to strip you wound you and leave you half dead oh y'all you may not like it but it's the truth see because people have taught this in error but trials come to strip you of your clothing of your dignity embarrass you you know, the devil have it where, where you, you lose your job suddenly and all of a sudden now it's, it's well, pink notices on the door. And your car gets towed away. None of y'all have been through that. Where your, tar, your car got, anybody ever had where your car got towed away? No, I don't mean because you called them. I'm talking about just. I mean, I've had the ones where I called them, but I had, I've had four of those times where I didn't call them. That's the devil out to strip you of your dignity. It's not God taking you through it. God, let me go through this because God trying to God's trying to strip me away because I was too much in pride. No, God's not doing that. God's not a thief. So the, the trial will strip you, strip you of your dignity, wounded him, wound your soul your wounded soul, and then they said they departed, leaving him half dead. So the trial comes not to make you strong. The trial comes to leave you half dead. Your spirit half dead. I'm bad. I can't hardly make it. I can't lift my head up. I can't go to church. I can't go around. I can't pray. I can't sing. I can't praise God. I can't spend time in the Word. Why? What's happening? You spiritually, you half dead. Just bad. When you have that, you barely hanging on. Why? What happened? He fell among thieves. Now, all of a sudden, he tells a story about a good Samaritan who comes out. A priest kept walking by. The rabbi kept walking by. But a good Samaritan comes, picks him up, rescues him, puts him on his own donkey, puts him on his own donkey, takes him to the inn, gives the inn, innkeeper some money, and tells him, anything you go over, it's on me. Now, that's a picture of Jesus. 
He's not the thief. He is the rescuer. He didn't bring the trial. He brought the deliverance. Oh, thank you. Put up 1 Corinthians uh, 10 and verse 13 real quick, please. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. This has dropped my spirit just now. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. Hallelujah. Remember, the temptations don't come from God. The Bible says no temptation, no trial, no test, no tribulation has, uh, has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So if you are man or mankind, temptations are common. Trials are common. Tribulations are common. Tests are common. Storms are common. But God is faithful. He's not bringing the trial, the test, but God is faithful who will not put more on you than you can bear. Oh, that's not what it says, is it? But how many of y'all heard that your whole life? He won't put any more on you than you can bear. That's not what the Bible says. So because of that foolish doctrine, people go around thinking God is putting these things on him, on you, but he, he, only, he only puts only so much on you because he knows how strong you are. But that's not what the Bible says, does it? It says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. In other words, he sees what the devil's doing. Remember, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Remember, remember when, when, the, when the devil came to, Jesus, to, to God about Job? The devil came and God said, oh, you've been checking Job out, haven't you? He said, yeah, but you got this whole hedge around him. Remove the hedge and I, I get, he'll, he'll curse you in the face. And God said, well, he's in your hands because he's been talking bad, all this fear. He's been talking bad. He said, but you can't touch, touch this, but you can't touch this. In other words, God didn't allow the devil to put more on Job than Job was able to take. God didn't put it on Job. Satan put it on Job. God put limits on it. what you are able, but he says, but with the temptation, he will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So he'll give you the way out of it. So you can say, I endured the temptation. I endured the temptation, but I lasted. I didn't buckle. I didn't fold. Glory to God. The devil doesn't want you to, the devil doesn't want you to make it. But God doesn't want you to buckle. God doesn't want you to fold. So he's going to give you some strength and some grace. Remember, remember in uh, 2 Corinthians and 12, chapter 12, where Paul's talking about this thorn in his flesh? Put up 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. I might as well, I, I think it's, let's start around verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12, I, I'm, I'm guessing the area. Yeah, that's it. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Yes. Now what was happening? Paul has these, what the Bible calls a thorn in his flesh. You see up early he said a messenger of, Satan. a messenger of, Satan. so God wasn't doing this. It was a messenger of Satan. And he cries out to God, go back to verse 7 and 8 for me. Go back to verse 7. Back to verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, the thorn of the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffer me, lest I be exalted above measure. So God was blessing the socks off of Paul. And Satan couldn't take it. Because not only was God blessing Paul, but Paul was preaching to everybody of how to get this blessing on them. And the devil's not going to sit by and let this man be blessed and tell everybody else how to be blessed. That's why y'all got to pray for me. Because I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to teach you how to be blessed. I'll come over here. Because I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to teach y'all how to be blessed. I don't want to be blessed by myself. It ain't no fun being blessed by yourself. Don't you want everybody around you blessed? Just look at your neighbor and say, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Be blessed. I mean, just declare, be blessed. Be blessed. I want you blessed. I want you prosperous. I want you driving new. I want you smelling nice. I want you looking nice. I want your hair done. I want your clothes nice. I want you in a new house. I, I want you blessed. I ain't jealous. I want you blessed. Satan, 
uh, to buffet me. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. Now here, here's what Paul does. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Three times. He, he's crying, God, come on, do something about this. Now if God had done it, he couldn't plead with God. That would make any sense. No, the devil's done it. And, but he's, now here's Paul. He's pleading with God three times and people preach and God kept saying no. But does the Bible ever say God said no? What did God say? Verse 9. He tells us exactly what God said. Verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now he doesn't, and people, that, I mean, people that's, you know, Miss Carol, that's so much bad teaching in the church. That's why people in the church, sick, broke, busted, disgusted, depressed, going through it. I mean, going through it. Tore from the floor up. Because they've been taught wrong. So he says, my grace is sufficient for you. So people will now take that and teach, well, God will just give you the grace to go through it. No, what he's saying is, my grace that I've already given you had, is enough for you to gather this yourself. So God said, no, I'm not going to do anything. You do something with what I gave you. My grace is enough. Oh, glory to God. If, if my children are, 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 are <laughs> if they, they say, we're going to, we're going to uh, uh, Rock and Crab. I saw, I saw Jay lean up. We're going to Rock and Crab. And uh, I give them my, my credit card or my dad, I give them my debit card. I say, and they call back and say, but dad, but the prices, man, they, they people, they charging this, this, today, everything is double. I'm going to say, what you calling me for? My card is sufficient for you. I gave you my card. It's sufficient for you. So when God said, my grace is sufficient for you, he said, I gave you my grace. Use it. Use the power. Grace is God's divine enablement. It's a power force. He said, use my grace. Bust out of that. Break through. Break out of that by the grace I've already given you. Are you seeing this here? So you don't just have, well, I'm just going to go through. I'm just going to go through. No, wait a minute. No, don't let the devil ride you like that. If I looked over and saw my son, my son in a fight, he just turned, my son just turned 15 yesterday. If I looked over and saw my son in a, in a fight with uh, somebody who, who, who might have looked bigger than him, let's say he on, Brother Kirkland's on, on him, right? Because that, that's big brother, right? But he's, he get on him. And I'm, my son cried, Dad, Dad, come help me. And I'm going to say, no. Use what I taught you. Remember I taught you to mm, right there in the. You'll get him off. He'll be off here real quick. You know what I'm saying? You got to use. I mean, your mama told you that. Grab a brick. Grab a bottle. Anything you need to get. See, so trials, they don't come to make you strong. Trials come to kill you. Okay? They're from the enemy. Go back to James chapter 1 real quick. James 1. So we're, we're talking about here that these trials that come upon you, and you're all going to face them. I said you're all going to face them. I know you saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost, filled, fire, baptized, walk with Jesus, and running for your life. But you're going to have trials. You're going to fall into them. You want to fall into this going? Jesus, Jesus said it is, it is impossible that offenses will not come. You're going to, in fact, in John 16, 33, he said, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You're going to have tribulation. But I'm saved. Yes, you're going to have tribulation. In fact, Psalm 34, 19. Throw it on the screen. Let's see if this is right. Let's see if this is right. Let's see if this is right. Psalm 34, 19. Many, many, 
Can anybody read? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord, I say, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many, 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 many. Seems like every time I turn around, I'm going through. Yeah, many. Go through. Don't park. Go through. So, so trials and tribulations, they come to, to destroy us, okay? So again, James 1, look at verse 12. James 1, verse 12. James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, verse 13, when he is tempted, tested, tried, that I am tempted or tested or tried by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt, test, or try anyone. Now, that's just in white and black right there. Or black and white, whatever you want to do. It's, I mean, it's, it's plain. No, you don't know. God's taking me through. No, you don't know. Well, it, people say, well, God's put a burden on me. Well, why would he say, cast your burdens on the Lord? If he put the burden on you. See, we got, we got to, let's not go by what they said. Let's go by what he said. Open the Bible, read it for yourself. See what the Bible says. Can the church say amen? Amen. Okay. Now, so he doesn't tempt us with evil. I told you before, you know, I don't have time to go over there, but when God tests you, God tests you by giving you what you ask for. God tests you by giving you what you need. The children of Israel, the Bible talks about it in Deuteronomy chapter 8, that uh, God said, I led you through the wilderness all these 40 years. And he said, and I humbled you and I caused you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, to test you to see what was in your heart. So how did God test them? By supplying their needs. Y'all missing it. He tested them by giving them exactly what they needed. Now the test was, could you obey him? Because he told them when he brought them the manna, only get enough for the day. On, on Monday, get enough for the day. On Tuesday, enough for the day. It's Wednesday, Thursday. He said, but on Friday, get enough for two days. Because Saturday was their Sabbath. So get enough for two days on Friday. Then Sunday, get enough for one day. Just, he had them go through every day. And so that was a test. I'm going to Uber eat y'all. <laughs> uh, I'm a, right? And what the Bible said, they, 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 the Bible says he fed them with angels' food. He fed them with angels' food. Grubhub, Instacart, whatever y'all got, all this stuff. <laughs> he, he fed them, and that's how he tested them. So he doesn't test you, because remember he says at the first, I allowed you to hunger, and then I fed you. So in other words, he shifted their cuisine, their culinary uh, 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 layout from what they could do. to what he could do. That's big right there. Because that's exactly what God is trying to do to us, is to shift us from natural scenes, natural resources, natural means, to letting him supply the need. Angel's food. When angel's food, see, what they were used to, this is so good to me, what they were used to was go out there and planting. They could plant, but remember, they're wandering through the wilderness. You don't have time for the crop to come up. You're on a journey. They were used to slaughtering, you know, because they had all kind of animals with them, all kind of cattle and everything. They, they were used to slaughtering that and then, you know, eating that. But you couldn't do that because you don't have time for that because you got enemies that's looking at you. You had to move when he said move. So he said, no, I got to shift you to from, from where you've been operating to where I give it to you. And when God gave it to them, the only thing that they do was gather. Oh, y'all missed that. They were going from laboring to gathering. 
Somebody ought to be ready to shift already. When God supplies, you just gather it. It's just gathering. Just gather. Gather enough for one day. Gather enough for one day. Just gather. And don't worry about tomorrow. Just gather. And, and the Bible even tells you, uh, uh, Pastor Joshua, that when they would get extra, some of them didn't trust God. They'd go get extra, and what would happen? All the extra was spoiled. But on the Friday, when he told them to gather extra, it will last just fine because it's a word from the Lord. He taught, he, in fact, put it on the screen. You might as well. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, because you need to see this. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. This is what we're, what we're quoting here. It says, So he humbled you, allows you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. In other words, this stuff they hadn't even, never even heard or never seen it. This manna, what is it? That's what manna literally means. What is it? That he might make you know that man, see this, shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So watch. So thank you, Lord. So they were physically eating the manna, but they were eating by the word of the Lord. So you're gonna God, God's not telling you that you know don't 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 go to uh, Pizza Hut no more. Don't don't go to Po Folks no more. He's saying go where I tell you to go. I'm gonna pay for it by my voice. Did y'all catch that? Did that go over your head? He's not telling you, man, you can't have no bread no more. You can have bread. Bread is all right. But what he's saying is, I'm going to feed you by my voice. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to provide you for you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to guide you on how to get this stuff. So all you got to do is just gather, Elder Baker. You ain't got to struggle and strain and toil and fuss and fight and scrape and borrow and steal. And oh, I got oh, oh, just trying to make it. No, you just got to go gather. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Second Chronicles 20, when the children of, of Judah had a battle, and the Bible says that uh, five kings came against them, and their armies came up against the, the Judah and their, and their army. And remember, Jehoshaphat the king cried out and said, Lord, we have no might against this great company, neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And Jehaziel came and gave him a word, you should not need to fight in this battle, the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. Remember that? Verse 20, he gets down there and says, Jehoshaphat says, says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established and believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Remember that? And then they, the Bible says they, they sent, they, they began to sing praise unto the Lord. Praise the Lord for his mercy and do us forever. And the Bible says, it says the Lord sent ambushments, ambushes against the enemies, the army, and they begin to turn on each other and begin to kill each other. And then the Bible says, and they were three days gathering, gathering. Listen, they were three days gathering the spoils. It was so much. God's trying to get us from fighting to gathering. You shall not need to fight in this battle. You see verse 25, thank you. They, they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Oh, Jeff, you ready to gather some spoil? Anybody else ready to just gather some spoil? Not fighting. See, they didn't have to fight. We used to sing a song back in the old days, be still, God will fight your battles. That's what happened. They, they used to y'all just be still, God's going to fight the battle, but you're going to gather the spoil. You hold your peace. I got this. You're going to gather the spoil. See, God is ready to shift the body of Christ. See, that's what we just heard, this season of fulfillment. Don't lose that prophecy. Don't lose that prophecy we got a couple weeks ago here about the season of fulfillment. It's a season of gathering. No more struggling. No more straining here. Y'all got this here. Now, manna, let me go back to our topic here. We were in Deuteronomy. Manna came down from heaven. In the, uh, oh my, 
Over in the sixth chapter of John, uh, I think that's where it is. In the sixth chapter of John, y'all hang with me for a second. Because if stuff, if stuff is coming, I got to get it out to you. <laughs> yeah, John, thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit knows everything, doesn't he? In John 6, look at verse um, 48. John 6, verse 48. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, this is good here, man. Somebody must be pulling online. I don't know who it is. Oh, it's in here. One of y'all pulling. In John 6, verse 48, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Verse 49, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. Now look at verse 50. This is the bread, come on, which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Then he said, verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So notice he describes, first of all, the manna that the people ate, we just talked about it, right, in the wilderness, and that manna came down. Every morning they woke up, the manna came down, it was like dew on the grass. But they ate it and they're all dead. He said, but the manna that I'm talking about, I am the bread that comes down from heaven or down from the Father. Now what God was providing for them in the wilderness, they just had to gather it. Now wait a minute, y'all got to catch this, catch this. Deep, deep, watch this. These people are human beings. Right? Three million, six million Jews in the wilderness, human beings. We understand, we got enough nutritionist people in the house know you have to have a certain amount of water. That's what it tells you. You got to have water. You have to have a certain amount of fruits, a certain amount of vegetables. You got to have a certain, amount of, a certain amount of carbohydrates, not too much. Some protein. You got to have salt in your diet. You know, there's all these things you got to have, not too much salt. These things we got to have, that's what we need. This is what people tell us. The children of Israel walked 40 years through the wilderness on manna. We have something we call today superfoods. There was no superfood like manna. Because within that manna, come on, you medical person, within that manna had to be enough protein and carbohydrates and salt the fruit and vegetable, the minerals and the vitamins and everything they needed that they would sustain 40 years on this wafer. Coriander seed tastes like honey, it talked about. It was a dessert. How many of y'all like dessert? They ate dessert every day. Don't tell me something wrong with dessert. They ate dessert every day and were sustained by it. Now, my point to you being is that when God sent it down to them, it was good and perfect. They were crying in the wilderness about the leeks and the onions and the flesh pots and things they had back in Egypt which to sustain their health and longevity, they would have had to eat this and that and this and that and so much of this and so much of that. But it wasn't good and perfect. What God gave them in the wilderness, that manna, can y'all see this, was good and perfect that it sustained all their life function, all their life, vi life vitality was all contained in that little wafer God was giving them. It was good and perfect. 
That means that whatever God gives you, you don't need the supplement. And the reason most of the people in the church are getting in trouble today is because people are trying to supplement the word with philosophy, what Nietzsche says and what Confucius says, and what this person said and what I read in this book over here and this author said this and this author said that. We got to add some yoga meditation with that and some God imagery with this and that. And we got to supplement with this and we got to, you know, add that. And so the church is all discombobulated because the Bible said man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In his word is absolutely everything you need. It's the bread that comes down from heaven. Right now while you're sitting here and I'm preaching to you, you are receiving bread from heaven. Oh, I wish y'all really understood that. Some of y'all just... <laughs> and you're missing out on the bread from heaven. I'm giving you bread from heaven. And I'm giving you what's good and what's perfect. Well, you don't say it like this pastor says it, and you don't say it. You don't, you don't, you don't say it like this pastor. <laughs> no, no, the bread by itself is good and perfect. I like how so-and-so, maybe you should dress like so-and-so, then I'll receive it from you. No, 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 no. No, you need to get this bread that I'm giving you today. Because I'm not giving you this bread out of my head. I'm giving you this bread out of heaven. I'm not, I, didn't go, I didn't go to the old bread store and look this, you know, people, people get bread, day old bread out of some book offline somewhere. This fresh bread. There are things I'm saying to you that I didn't know this morning. Y'all miss it. There are things I'm saying to you right now I didn't know before I stood up here. You can't get no fresher bread than that, D. Fresh bread out of the oven? You just had a butter waiting on it? Oh, I'm giving you fresh bread this morning. Y'all hear this? Jesus. Let, let's, let's move a little more. Let's move, move a little further. Let's move a little further. Go back to James chapter 1. But did y'all understand that whole thing about this being coming down from heaven? Perfect, good, good and perfect. James chapter 1, look at verse 16. We're still reviewing from, from two Sundays ago, from last Sunday rather. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Do not be deceived. So remember, we've been saying, Satan has been making people think that bad things come from God and that good things come from him or from this world system. That's what's got the body of Christ tripped up, is people are going to the world system because they think what they have is good. Y'all quiet in this Baptist church. They think what they have is good out there. And don't understand, it's a trap. It's a trap. That's why it says, do not be deceived. Okay, let me help you. So not only... Is he getting people to think that God's doing the bad things and that he's doing or he offers good things? But he also somehow is getting people to accept things that are less than perfect. Not really good. And think that they are from God. See, when he said don't be deceived, there's a lot of ways to be deceived. A lot of ways to be deceived here. So, in other words, people receive things or uh, manifest things that are not from God because they're not really good and they're certainly not perfect, but they say God did it. 
And when you do that, then you now settle or become satisfied at what is not actually good, at what is imperfect, and then leave on the table what is really good and what really is perfect because you think you already got good and perfect. You're calling it good. But God told me that back in 2012. He said, son, don't ever let anybody call something good that I didn't call good. I was going through something, just dealing with some, some things, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, don't ever let anybody call something good that I don't call good. It ain't good till I call it good. I said, yes, sir. I got it. I got it. Because, you know, people will call things good. Oh, that's good. And, and here, here's, here's what they really mean. That's good enough. Let me help you out because some of y'all still puzzle. Some of y'all look still like deer in the headlights. <laughs> oh, Lord, I believe you for a good man. So here comes Jimmy. Oh, and your cousin say, oh, that's, you got a good man. And your auntie say, oh, yeah, he a good man. Why? Oh, he got a job. He a good man. He a good man. Oh, look how he dressed. He a good man. Oh, look at his car. He a good man. Now, did God call him good or did your auntie call him good? Oh, y'all. Now, we have good men in here, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about in the world in general, people... People, see, because it said, go back, go put up verse 17. Put up verse 17. Put up verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So you can get gifts, but they not be good gifts and not be perfect gifts. Back in the day, how, how many of y'all have bank accounts? Now, back in the day, you used to go to the bank. Not today. Today, you go to the bank, you open the thing, they just say thank you. But back in the day... You went to the bank and opened an account. They used to give like a toaster. Back in the day when, you know, banks, you, you, you get a little gift. A mixer or something they give you. A little gift to just say thank you for doing business with us. But you know, it, wasn't, it was never a good toaster. Never a perfect toaster. It, it, might, it might have worked just three days and before you know it, it's kind of like, kind of like, Christmas time comes and everybody gonna put out their Black Friday sale stuff before Thanksgiving and you gonna you know cut your Thanksgiving meal short and run the you know I guess they stop that now right but so let's say you go on Friday and you're gonna get in line everybody gonna get in line to buy a little stuff and you don't realize this is cheap stuff they imported from the backwoods of China somewhere and it's, it doesn't work. I mean, you buy these little tablets, you buy these little computers, you buy a little thing, and the name, you never recognize the name, and you can't, you Google it, the name don't even come up, and the thing, the thing look good, it's in the box, and you get it, it works for your child three days, and then the screen goes black, and then you look for customer service, and the customer service number is doo doo doo. We're sorry, the number you have called, child, is no longer in service. <laughs> And you're just saying, I bought you the perfect gift. So my point is that the devil knows how to wrap something up in beautiful paper and present it like it's a good and perfect gift when it really isn't. Say, but don't be deceived. See, God gives good and perfect. God gives good and perfect. And the devil will trick you into missing things. I was thinking this morning about how, or yesterday rather, about how, you know, when Adam got into sin in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, right? And uh, God comes down and uh, he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam's, whoa, there's God. Oh, man, dog. Because they got caught. And he says, Adam, what have you done? What does Adam say? 
it's the woman that you gave me. What happened, what happened to all your glory, Adam? It's the woman you gave me. Now remember, every good and perfect gift is from above. So Adam now took something that was good and perfect. And blamed his problems on the gift. Like it was the gift's fault. Whose fault was it? It was Adam's fault. Well, no, no, no. Eve, Eve ate the fruit. And the Bible says Eve was deceived. But Adam was not. Your Bible says Adam was not deceived, which means Adam knew full well what he was doing. When, at, when Eve gave Adam the fruit, the Bible says he gave, her, gave him the fruit with her, which means Adam was there. Adam was right there watching the whole thing, listening to the whole conversation, and didn't say anything. It's another little snake hissing, talking to your wife, and you ain't going to say nothing? Don't your Bible say, he that findeth a wife, a good thing, obtains favor from the Lord? So a wife was a good thing. He took what was a good thing and got tricked into calling it something evil. Woe unto those who call good evil and call evil good. See, so we got to make sure that we don't let the devil trick us out of what are good and perfect things and into what are <laughs> imperfect things because they're wrapped up in certain packages. The devil knows how to disguise things. You know, I hear people say this, this phrase, and I think I understand people trying to say, I just haven't come to the conclusion that it's a correct statement biblically. And people use the phrase, that's a blessing in disguise. Y'all ever heard that phrase? That's a blessing in disguise. I, I, I haven't found enough biblical proof of that yet to, for me to use that terminology. Now, y'all looking at me funny, because see, y'all say those things. But have you ever thought, is that biblical? See, because we don't just speak what we want to say just because it's what people say. We got to say what's biblically accurate. We don't speak in our own authority, right. ever. That's right. That's good. So I, I, I've not found any, any, any picture in the Bible of what's a blessing in disguise that God said, I'm going to bless you in disguise. I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to hide it. It's going to look like a curse to you, but it's really a blessing. I'm going I'm to let, let you really go through, I'm going to get your head bashed in, but it's really a blessing. I'm going to let you lose your britches, but it's really a blessing. Let your house burn down, but it's really a blessing because there's another house I got for you. <laughs> That's not how God operates. See, y'all don't, don't like it. This is the kind of stuff we've been tripping to saying. This speech, remember we read that other night? Luke 19, I think it was, where Jesus gave a parable about the talents, and he said to that one man, he said, by your mouth you're going to be judged. You said something that was inaccurate. And by your words, by your mouth, you'll be judged. So we can't, we don't have the freedom then, Deacon Mac, to just say stuff because that's how people talk. That's just, well, you know what I mean. No, 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 no. You don't get credit for what you mean. My back killing me. Well, I don't really mean it's killing me. But that's what you said. By your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned, Jesus says in another place. See? So I, I can't just say blessing disguises. I've, I've just not found that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I've not found enough biblical support, any biblical support, to grant me the right to say that. But I can find enough biblical evidence of curses in disguise. Ishmael came right to mind. 
that the devil will bring you something that looks so wonderful, looks so right. Jesus said this, they come among you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Curses in disguise. The Bible is, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. He helped me right now. The Bible even said that the, that the devil even transforms himself into an angel of light. That means the devil will come appearing as something good. Y'all don't have to get excited. I'm excited because I'm, I'm hearing the Holy Ghost. He's talking to me. So this, this person, I'm sorry, this person, this person. Thank you. I'm thanking Holy Spirit. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's good. That he trained himself into an angel of light. In fact, Paul talked about beware of these false prophets and false teachers who even transform themselves into messengers of light. They come looking like the real deal. And inwardly, that's why we need discernment in the body of Christ. Discernment. The ability to discern and see what the real deal is. In fact, there's, another, there's a spiritual gift called, called uh, the gift of discernment. Now that discernment is different because that discernment now allows me to see into the spiritual realm. I can see what's behind things. But even if you don't operate in that gift of discernment, you, you're supposed to have a spiritual discernment on the inside of you like, mm. that's why the Bible says test all things, approve all things, hold fast to what is good. Put up uh, Romans 12.9 on the screen. Romans 12.9. That just dropped there. Romans 12.9. Romans 12.9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor or hate what is evil. Now look at the last part. Cling to what is good. That's what, I, what just came to me. Cling to what is good. Now what the devil's going to do is try to get you to cling to what looks good, what looks perfect, but it is not. All right. Well, I'm out of time. So let's, um, I'll save that another time. Let's wrap it up this way. Go back to James 1.17. Has anybody learned anything today? People walking around with their eyes wide shut. Wide shut. Nose is wide open. In the body of Christ. And being deceived and being picked off. Just being picked off at just. Oh, but I thought that was right. I thought she was right. I thought he was right. I thought this was thought this was the right way. Thought like Nelly. <laughs> thought poop was jelly. That's what we used to say growing up. You see James 1.17? Yes, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now that word every is a Strong's 39.56, the Greek word pause, P-A-S. Individually, it means each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone, all things, everything. So we can say each good gift. You see that? Each perfect gift. Or all good gifts. Or all perfect gifts. Are from where? Above. So if you want something in your life that's good and perfect, don't look below and don't look around. Period. Look above. I, I, I forget the exact proverb address, 
but it says something like uh, the righteous man talking about the righteous shall be satisfied from above. Look that up. Just use, probably put the word satisfied above. It says something like that. So I'm not to look around me, Elder Baker. Who is my helper? And not, not those around me. Don't, dog on the shoulder, look to the devil. And don't look inward. People are being taught that way now. Trust yourself. Be mindful. Trust yourself. Have faith in yourself. That's not scriptural. There's no scripture that tells you to have faith in yourself. No, Jesus said, have faith in God. Period. Look at this. Proverbs 14, verse 14. The backslide and the heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied. Come on. So where all our blessings come from? Where do the good things come from? Where do the perfect things come from? Above. So I'm looking above myself. Outside of myself. Not within. No, I'm looking from above. If I, if I had to rely on myself, I'd still be struggling, straining, in a mess, spiritually, physically, financially, just making, making no time. But the moment we learn, wait, okay, oh, this comes from above, that our jobs were no longer our source. God became our source. So when God said to both of us, leave your job, I didn't know he meant the same day. <laughs> I, I was hoping he was going to stagger it a little bit. <laughs> I knew he had told me on a certain day. I didn't realize he told her the same day. I'm like, oh, Lord, Jesus, I was going to live off her for a little while. He said, no, 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 no. You're going to be satisfied from above. And it took us a little while to learn it. I mean, we went through those struggling days. I mean, just, oh, my God. But when we learn, okay, anything the world's offering is, not, is going to be imperfect. It might look good. It might do for a minute. Everything in this world has an end. Uh, oh, this is in Psalm somewhere. Psalmist says, I've seen the consummation of all things. The consummation of all things. Look it up. Consummation. C-O-N-S-U-M-M-A-T-I-O-N. Consummation of all things. I, I want to show you the scripture. But it's going to talk about the word, though. It's going to contrast that with the word. Y'all stand to your feet. Because I... Cause, look at this. Psalm 119, verse 96. I have seen the consummation of all perfection. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I, for, I forgot the word perfection was in there. I've seen the consummation of all perfection. He's talking about hum, human things. Consummation means end. I've seen the end of all perfection. In other words, what man calls perfect, what man calls good, he said, there's an end to it. What they call perfect, there's an end to it. What they call good, there's an end to it. Well, they call, hey, this is the real deal. This is, this is the cast me out here. This is your everything. This is all you haven't even the rest of your life. This is just this, this is the one, right? You got to have this one. He said, I've seen the end of all that. But your commandment is exceedingly broad. Other translations will say something like this. But your word has no bounds. Your word is boundless. See? Man should not live by bread alone but by every word. Put a Matthew 4, 4. The word is boundless. The word is how we live. The word is the source by which we learn what's good and perfect. And we receive that from God we begin to live boundless lives. But he answered and said, it is, this is Jesus talking. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by what? The mouth of God is sending things down. The word comes down. I say this with boldness and yet with great humility. You are privileged to sit and be in a church where you hear the word of God preached from heaven, not opinion. Not where we're allowed to be inaccurate. And just say what we've always said. And what grandmama Nim used to say. Because if we live by what grandmama Nim used to say, we end up I'm not picking on anybody's grandma. But what I'm saying to you is God loves us enough. I'm glad he loved me enough to yank me out of tradition, yank me out of that tradition that makes the word of God of no effect and begin to reveal to me and surround me with teachers, men and women of God who I can listen to who would teach me the word of God. Wow, thank you, Lord. And begin to show me what good and perfect is all about. Hallelujah. Can I, can I quote one more verse to you? Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Come on. Why? So when I'm, when my mind is renewed, my life is transformed so I can prove to the world some evidence in my life of what God's good and acceptable and perfect. See those two words there, good and perfect? Now don't get a teaching bit that people have given us over the years that is good or acceptable or perfect. You can choose either one. Or you, no, 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 no. It, no the Bible didn't, there was no or in that verse. It's and. God only has one will, and it's good, it's acceptable, it's perfect. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's not separated. But to step into it, Miss Hattie, I got to be renewed in my mind. I don't thank God for Grandma. Thank God for Reverend so-and-so. But I'm looking at what the Word says. And I'm going to take what the Word of God says. And what God asks of me is for me. I'm not going to leave stuff on the table. If God wants me healed, I'm going to be healed. And guess what? He wants you healed. God wants you rich, I'm going to be rich. He wants me prosperous, I'm going to be prosperous. He wants me blessed, I'm going to be blessed. He wants me happy, I'm going to be happy. That's right, sir. Right. He wants me holy. Yes. I'm going to be holy. Because that's what's good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. Amen. Lord God, thank you today for the word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for fresh revelation, for fresh bread that you've sent down to us from heaven. God, we can't thank you enough for blessing us, providing for us, supplying our needs. We can't thank you enough for opening our ears, opening our eyes, and opening our hearts to receive your word. Father, I pray that these, your, your precious people, would allow every day our minds to be renewed. That we allow every day for you to tell us something for you to correct us in our thinking. That you would help us to take out wrong thinking and replace it with right thinking. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts and your ways are higher than our thoughts and our ways, as higher than the, as the heavens are above the earth. So, Lord, we forsake our ways. We forsake our thoughts. 
We take upon ourselves your ways and your thoughts. Your good, your acceptable, your perfect will. So that, Father, we can prove to the world what it really is to be saved, what it really is to be children of God. Now, Father, I ask that everyone today who's received the word of God, that who's not, not been wayside ground, that, Lord, that there is a, a, a harvest that comes upon the seed of the word. Those who made themselves good ground for the word of God today, let there be a harvest that comes up. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 30, 60, 100 fold return. Good gifts, perfect gifts coming down in our lives, oh God. That we don't settle for anything less than good and perfect. Anything less than what is the best. That we no longer allow other people to call something good that you didn't call good. And we don't allow anything, anybody else to label something perfect that you've not labeled as perfect for us. God, today, let your people walk in a greater level of revelation and a greater level of transformation and a greater level of manifestation in our lives. That's our prayer. We believe you receive it. It is so. We give you thanksgiving for it now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 Give God a praise today for the word.